0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany. Welcome, welcome every day. Boy, do we have a show for you today. Here we are in the heart of December, and wow, we are going to bring something to you. You know, During the holidays, well, all the time for me, but I have a very difficult time with intimacy, connection, and communications a lot of time when it comes to sex. And Velvet Box has been a wonderful partner with myself, and this podcast has really reached so many of you. How do I know? Because you have told us that we have reached you, and we are so blessed to bring in Dr. Beth Boatman and... We have been waiting to to meet with you for months, absolutely months. Dr. Beth Boatman is a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified sexuality educator, and that doesn't even begin to touch the number of degrees and the number of certifications she had. She's brilliant in her area, and I cannot wait for you to listen Dr. Boatman welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh my goodness. We're so thrilled that you're here. We've been waiting. You know, we've been doing podcasts with um with with Velvet Box and we've talked about everything. I mean, I went from being Beth, I told you on the phone the other day, we had like a phone interview and I said, you know, I grew up in that purity culture, Catholic America, and you said the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a thing. And so the first time I remember my staff saying, just let your guard down, stop being nervous. I was so nervous to talk to my audience about it because there's a stigma. Am I right? Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, I think I've been talking about this for a very long time. And sometimes I still get nervous. I mean, one of the reasons I chose this career is because I realized I have a lot more comfort with it than most people, Um, specifically, you know, the, the community that I grew up in and being here in Fort Worth, Texas. Right. Um, But I still, every once in a while, I'm like, am I, am I saying the right information? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing right by the people? So, I mean, I think nervousness is normal.
0: That makes sense. And how did you decide this is the the focus of your career and, and how did you move your career into sexuality? Sure. It's a bit of a long story, but I'll do
1: my best to shorten it. Um, so when I went to school in my undergrad, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I picked marine biology because I thought it sounded incredible. Um, and I spent a summer in Australia um, off the Great Barrier Reef, you know, doing kind of a summer abroad program. And it was amazing. But I realized that that I wanted to have more impact on humans, Um, even though I'm I'm totally a tree hugger, if we're being really honest. Um, I wanted to have an impact on humans and I wanted to be able to see my impact. And I felt like that that would make me um, feel really good about my work. So I ran out of money and I took a year off school and I reevaluated my life. And I said, okay, what do I really enjoy in life? And it sounds ridiculous every time I say it, but it was, well, I really enjoy um, sex and talking about sex. (laughs) I really enjoy sleep and I really enjoy food. And those are my three favorite things. And so I decided I can't make a job out of um, sleep and I didn't really want to make a job out of food. I didn't want to cook, even though I love to cook. Um, And I remember seeing something about sex therapy. And so I went to a conference, which is the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. And immediately I felt at home. Wow. And I'm like, this, this is what I want to do. That you're and, calling. And I've always been comfortable talking about sex. Uh, even in elementary school, I was the kid that was, you know, you oh, I, I know where babies come from. Oh my! Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I was, yeah. I was that kid, which is a really common, um, theme in sex educators and sex therapists. They, sometimes they were that kid. Um, and so I got my degree master's in education and human sexuality and I love teaching. I think I kind of shied away from teaching because my mom is a teacher and she's so good at it. And I didn't really think I was going to be any good at it. Um, she's a high school math teacher. Well, she's retired now. Mm-hmm. And, um, And I just love, I love teaching and I love creating lesson plans and curriculum. And I was gonna do that and said, I'm gonna move back to Texas. And everybody in Philadelphia said, You're probably not gonna get a job in Texas. Uh, And I said, Good point. Yeah. uh, But I feel like that's the place where I can make the most impact. And um, I started teaching uh, sexuality classes um, at the Velvet Box and Mm -hmm. at other places. And almost every time people would come up to me afterwards and say, do you do one-on-ones? Wow. Do you see people one-on-one? Can we ask you some questions? And they'd pull me to the side. And um, then that's when I said, you know, I think I need to add the piece of being a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I went
0: and got a degree in marriage and family therapy. Wow. And so were you amazed at coming back to Texas? I'm sure the people that were able to pull you to the side, because, you know, I think um, I've had this conversation since we started this uh, relationship with Velvet Box, and it's still hard for me to talk about it because there's the people that shame me and then the other people that embrace and Mm -hmm. just thank you for doing this. Thank you for talking about this and bringing this out. So was that a shock to you? I mean, at all? I mean, coming to Texas or did you know it was, you know, that's where we're headed.
1: I I think the biggest shock was uh, the very first class I taught at the Velvet Box. um, I think it had to do with 50 Shades of Grey because it, it came out around the same time. And you know, Fifty Shades of Grey is is not a model for a healthy relationship. Um, mm-hmm. There's some really interesting erotic uh, fantasy stuff that can be played out in a relationship, but in and of itself, it's not a model and Velvet Box was seeing that. And they said, okay, we have to do something for our community to let them know how to do this stuff in a healthy way. And so they hired me to come on and, um, and <laughs> like 150 people showed up. To like our very first class and I was like, Oh goodness, we have to put a cap on the class. I thought maybe 20, 30 people would show up maybe. Um, and just that, that's the thing that surprised me that people want this. They want this information. They want to know how to do it in a healthy way. They want to know how to dig a little deeper and kind of, you know, pull those knots of shame apart so they can experience their true, like Sensual pleasure in a way that's healthy for them, in a way that feels good for
0: them. Right. So the 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 class that you taught there was 150 people. And- at Velvet Box, was that a paid class? Did they pay, have to pay to come to this class, or was this just you know? A, I, I don't remember. I think it, because it was the first class, it was like a free class, but I don't really remember. Right, right, right. But you're there. I know after talking to Brandon with the Velvet Box, people are willing to pay for. Yeah, and you guys are so qualified. I mean, every, I mean, you're you're just your resumes. I mean, you, Doctor Celeste Holbrook. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's just and and Brandon's education. So let's talk about. Uh, what we, what I brought this up in the beginning, intimacy, connection, and communication tools. So if you could tell us we're, we're still in a pandemic. Um, we, can you tell me how COVID has affected the sex life of couples or couples and intimacy or has it, has it enhanced? What is, have you seen everything across the board?
1: Well, like I told you before, I've been on sabbatical because I had a kid and so I can't really say from firsthand knowledge working with couples in the therapy room, but I do talk to uh, I do have like peer consultations with other therapists and I'm people are contacting me still and see if I'm working and I'm having to give referrals and they're kind of telling me what's going on um, but I think that and of course I have my own personal experience and my friends, you know, you just hear things um, among your friends group. But because of everything that COVID has brought, and I think the main sense of thing is like the grief that COVID has brought, right? And grief is is so challenging. Um, I don't know of any other place in feelings where like two feelings can exist at the same time and they're completely opposite of each other. And you have to deal with that, that tension between the feelings. Like for example, um, like, a sense of relief and then absolute and pure sadness, Mm -hmm. right? That's the only place I know of like in grief that that happens. And when the grief of COVID and like the long haul trauma of COVID sits on families and on relationships, I think that's going to impact a lot of things about their relationship. And sometimes that's going to be their sex life because their intimacy and their communication. And I think a lot of what we have had to do, people who are in relationships and not even intimate relationships with so people who are living with extended families is we're having to negotiate things with our families that we've never had to negotiate right. before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Negotiating things like what we're going to do in our little family unit of wearing masks. Where are we going to go? Or am I just going to let you have freedom? Am I going to trust you or am I going to check ahead of time, mm-hmm. right? And now we have to negotiate childcare in a different way than we have before. And we're having to negotiate like our jobs and who's going to stay home and who's not going to, and all these big changes and all these big um, pieces of grief happening over and over again is really challenging for any
0: relationship. And uncertainty is just, you know, amazing. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, the, you 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 walk along with it and then you, you know, then you do. You, I Sometimes I have a, t- a tendency to sit and think, and go, oh gosh, you know where are we and what it done to relationships. I, I told you my husband retired, 2019, October of 2019. So he was starting his life, a new life, and I'm working harder than ever, continue my career. And um, you know he that we were hit square in the face, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the next year in 2020. And so what it did to our relationship, staying at home, he's off traveling and doing his thing, studying jujitsu. And, and I mean, he really, I mean, it's just amazing. And then we're at home together and I'm continuing to work and he he needed intimacy. And I, you know, it was very difficult because I, we saw each other every day. We got on each other's nerves. It, it yeah. There's that, you know what I mean? I mean, we we come from a, a world, the majority of us, we work nine to five and really don't see each other. We just see each other at night. And that changed for a lot. And I know a lot of people that are going through that. Absolutely. Right? I mean, amazing.
1: I mean, what is the absence makes the heart grow fonder? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to be apart from the people that you love <laughs> exactly. to appreciate them fully. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things that COVID has forced a lot of people to do is, is realize if you're friends with your partner or not.
0: Very good point. Do you like each other? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. you know, Do you like each
1: other? Are you friends? Because even when you look at the, some of the research on long-term relationships and the ones that are the most satisfied, it's, well, what is the thing that's the most important? And over and over people will say, well, we're friends, mm-hmm. right? Because friendships tend to, hold relationships together and friendships, you know, are you kind to each other? Are you compassionate? Um, can you communicate with each other? Can you challenge each other when you need to be challenged? Mm -hmm. Can you call them out? Can they call you out? Right. And Mm -hmm. then can you still come back to a place of kindness and love?
0: Exactly. If, can you do that? And I, I wonder if we've even, if we've done a study or if we have the numbers of the, the divorce rate right now uh, during COVID. I mean, i
1: Oh, I'm sure. Uh, there's so much COVID research coming out right now. Is there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't know off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine, but oh, I don't know.
1: I do know that a lot of my therapist colleagues and friends are, their practices are full. Oh, wow. So, and some, and some, I say that like, it's a bad thing and people usually don't go to therapy until they have to. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but on the other hand, maybe it's a really good thing that people are getting to the place where they are deciding to go to therapy instead of just, um, you know, give up or do something different. And a lot, a lot there's, I know for sure that there's higher rates in addiction and Um, suicide right now. Mm -hmm. So of course, if someone has a history of addiction or if they're already struggling with it, or if they started during COVID, that's going to have a huge impact on relationships too. There's so many like, you know, wheels, wheels, Turning and happening right now.
0: Yeah, and there's so many layers to this onion, right? I mean, (laughs) always, 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 definitely, definitely. Well, um, and also, Beth. So I, I think I told you, you have a 15 month old, almost 15 month old, Mm -hmm. Keon. Yep. Oh gosh. And so you going through, and I do want to touch on um, having a baby in COVID, but and what that does to relationships. But there's also the flip side with my daughter, 22 now, but going through COVID and turning. 21 during April of that year. And, you know, being a senior, junior, senior at TCU and the dating, you know, just exciting and getting to be around your friends and meet. No, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just, there's that, there's that that lack of intimacy. So my fear is these kids and not just these kids, I say that, I mean, other people that are single and they're on apps and they're not speaking and they're not together, right? What do you say to that? Um, technology is interesting
1: because I know for me, technology during COVID, it's it's the whole double-sided coin, right? There's some really bad places where you can get overwhelmed and it's just really not good for your mental health and you get sucked into it anyways. But if you find the places to connect, I think technology can bring really nice connection with people, especially when, when we
0: can't meet, can't connect, can't connect. So
1: I think that there's a way to use it. And I don't know, maybe this is just being hopeful for the younger generation, but I think that maybe the younger generation And I have no evidence to support this. Okay. Um, (laughs)
0: This is our theory.
1: Yeah. So maybe the younger generation is better at using and utilizing technology than we are because they were raised with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so my hope is that they will do better than us on finding places to connect and not falling into the trap of using technology as, you know, a, a... something to
0: cover up their feelings rather than to dig deeper into them. Right. Right. Yeah. I do worry about that a lot, you know, and the quickly swipe, I don't know what I'm talking about, but swipe, swipe right, swipe left, whatever. And and I'm like, but you, you talk, I mean, she's my daughter and, and she walked with me to talk about this, but she talked to a guy for six months, talk, there was no talking. There was no speaking. It was all electronic. And, um, when they finally did meet, um, it, you know, it's like, bah, 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 you know, mm, yeah <laughs> because there's something to be said to be, I'm um, going to have a connection, a chemistry connect, mm-hmm. you know, right. Is that true?
1: Well, I know that there's some stuff with online dating where the, the relationship that you have over technology is probably going to be a little bit different than the relationship you have face to face. And I think that's something that's really important to be aware of if you are doing online dating or online hookups or anything like that. Um, just the expectation that the relationship you have through text message or even Zoom meetings, right, um, is is going to be different. I, I think maybe, and another one of my theories, I wonder if it's because we can create a little bit of fantasy through text messaging, right? We can kind of create Mm -hmm. what this person looks like and maybe what their hobbies are. Even if they tell us, oh, I'm into gardening, we have this picture in our head of like what their garden looks like and maybe what this is. But maybe in reality, um, it's nothing of what we thought it would be. And Mm -hmm. we won't know that until we really get to know the person. Right. And, And the only way we can really get to know the person is, is to kind of see their dirty and right. see what's what we don't like about them. Cause that's gonna be in anybody.
0: Yes, because no one's perfect. Right. No one is perfect at all. At all. Okay, so tell us, being a mommy, um, she just lights up when she's and I say that. I know <laughs> I it's just fabulous. A new baby, new baby, fifteen month old. But yeah, did you so fifteen months he was born when? August. Of 2020. Okay, right in the middle of it, then. Yeah, right in the middle of it. So, tell us how that's gone and how that has affected you and your husband. Or can you talk about that? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, and just to kind of cap it off,
1: everything that's happened, and almost any relationship could probably have, say this throughout the course of COVID, because it's every everybody that I talk to has gone through some huge life changes in the middle of COVID and maybe those life changes happen anyways, but we don't realize how like difficult they can be Mm -hmm. unless we're in the midst of a pandemic. I'm not sure. Um, But even though we've been through so many life changes in the past two years, I, you know, I still look at him and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Mm -hmm. I'll hold his hand. Thank you for being my best friend. Cause I can't, I just, I can't imagine going through it. With someone else, right? Which I'm, you know, uh, I don't know. That's just me being me. I guess I'm a bit of a Pollyanna, but he would say that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're a bit of a Pollyanna.
0: Feelings <laughs> <It's made, it's laughs> mutual. Yeah.
1: Um. But it was. It's been hard, and I know that whenever I was pregnant, one of the things that kept going over and over in my head was, uh, um, oh, and I'm going to forget what it's the beginning of a book. Is it the tale of two cities? I don't think so. I don't think it's the grapes of wrath. It's the the best of times. It was the worst of times. Mm -hmm. It really felt like that. Like some of the best things in our life was happening, but some of the worst things in our life are happening Mm -hmm. too. And like going through, and like you were talking about with your daughter, right? You go through these moments in life that, um, like graduating, right? And going to college and having a baby for the first time and you have certain expectations of what that's going to look like because you've seen other people do mm-hmm. it. And so when you do it in a different way, it feels like, um, am I doing this wrong? Right. And so you like kind of question what's happening for you, mm-hmm. which questioning your sense of like identity in the middle of, of having a child mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> is unsettling. I'll right. say that yeah it's unsettling it's unsettling right mm-hmm. and you know not f- f- having the baby and the hormones i mean the, uh, you and i were talking about it they don't come with a, a manual yeah you don't know if you are did you have a family member with you at all like your mother or your or your or father or, well i ugh, being pregnant was awful
1: it was so girl awful. <laughs> People like, oh, it was great. No, it's 10 months of hell for me. I, I tell you. And my mom, she had, went through three pregnancies and she's like, I felt so good pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I had this idea that maybe I'd feel good too. No, uh, no it was, it was really bad. My whole body hurt. I was constantly like throwing up in the back of my mouth. Mm-hmm. It just was not fun. Mm-hmm. Um and all I wanted being like, can my mom just come over and rub my feet? But it was right in the middle of the thick of it. And I have a dad who's in a memory care unit. And like, I had to like manage all of that and like, mm-hmm. make sure that he was okay. Cause my mom was protected. She would go visit him. Right. Sure. And so, um, we still, we did everything that we could to see each other in a way that worked, but it's nice, but heartbreaking at the same time, like sure. looking through the window and stuff. But the hospital requirements, when I actually went into labor, it was you and your you and your partner only, mm-hmm. right? Nobody else saw it in the room. Although we could bring our doula. Um, and man, am I so glad I hired a doula. I am so glad the best money
0: we ever spent that in the sleep training money. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. That's right. Important where to put your money. You know, what's the most important to you. Well, um, so having the baby and the the feelings that you had, and I, I know, I know. And I see it in your face too, just how you feel. And I have a friend that had a baby recently and struggling. I mean, struggling, And I always invite people, I have one child, I have one child, one, because I didn't feel, pregnancy was not great for me, but yeah, yeah. One and done for me. She's 22, but, and she's fabulous. But, um, with my friend, she's, you know, she's at that point where I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this more. And I invite you to go, (laughs) you've got hormones and I hate to blame everything on hormones because it's not, it takes a village for sure. But, to not make those decisions. Right. I mean, is, isn't that, am I, am I on, 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 on point there? Yeah. So
1: typically like if I was practicing and a client comes in and they're in right in the middle of a big life event, right. Um, or maybe they have, um, they have a depression that they're having a difficult time managing. Right. and, and, the depression it's showing up, and then they know that. I also am like, maybe don't don't make any huge decisions about your life right now, Mm-mm. right? Um, and so if they're having a lot of like generalized anxiety that's really high, or their depression is really high, or they're right in the middle of a huge, like life change, um, typically it's like. You know, try to get to a place. You, I think, you hit the nail on the head where it takes a village, and that's one of the really difficult things about COVID is that you want your village there, but um, not everybody in your village can be there, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you know that that distance, um, that that needs to happen, or <laughs> some people in the family want to be there and then you don't, and you're having to navigate whose boundaries are where, mm-hmm. right? Um, so but at the same time it's uh, some people have met their limit and are at their cap. And then they know when they're done. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, I don't know if anybody
0: ever knows that while they're in the middle of it. Right. 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 In the middle of a storm. Right. Literally storm. And also, you know, the woman is going through the the physical changes, the emotional changes of her body. But I also know that the spouse, the partner also is going through this too. Yeah. Very, like you can't help and you can't, there's nothing, I was talking to my husband and my husband is not uh, my daughter's father, but uh, I mean, it, it, we've talked about how difficult it is and how you know we can because I'm not pregnant and I'm not going to be pregnant and he's certainly not, <laughs> but you know just how how it's hard to understand. And I have back issues and my husband can't understand that he has heart mm-hmm. issues and I can't understand it. So how would it be different when you're pregnant or you're having a child? So very very different. So affecting you sexually, how sexually? What does what what advice can you give to couples? Can you? That are postpartum. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, take the six-week pelvic rest (laughs) that you need to and don't pressure each other at all, right? Um, So absolutely do that. Just medically, it's really important whether you think you need it or not. Um, And I'm saying this for both partners, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that... So I talk a lot about when life events happen, even a baby and when your body changes, which is a huge change after a baby, I mean, literally your guts are going back into place. Yeah. It's just, it just is quite the feeling. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really is. There's always going to be a time where you're, you have to renegotiate what sex looks like. Right. And if you're going to be together long enough, you're going to do this multiple times throughout the course of your relationship. And, and this is one of those things that you should probably start getting really good at because sex isn't always coitus, right? It's not always penis in the vagina and, and maybe that can't happen right now. And for some of my clients, some of my patients, due to, you know, cancer and its treatments, it's not ever going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And that, like we talked about grief earlier, that's a grief, Right. Kind of losing the idea of what they thought life would look like. And sometimes that happens after postpartum too. And so going slow, renegotiating what sex looks like and letting letting people sleep. Oh right. Huge. <laughs> giving, I would say if I'm giving advice to the partner who wasn't pregnant, like let the pregnant person sleep and feed them. Mm-hmm. Just feed them and let them sleep. Right. Right, right, And then ask them, well, what does your body need right now? What does your body want? Is there some way that I can give that to you or help you? Because that's sleep and food, right? And sometimes when your partner comes in and helps you with what your body needs and wants, that can be a very intimate feeling. And that can be a spark that can lead to cuddling, right? And that can lead to cuddling naked. And if cuddling naked feels good for your body at that moment right? Maybe you can do a little bit more, but there has to be that trust there that any person can stop at any time and the other person is never going to hold it against them. Mm -hmm. Right. And if that exists, then renegotiating in the moment goes a whole
0: lot better each time. Right. Oh my gosh. Renegotiating or negotiating. So for someone like myself, even talking about it is difficult, Mm -hmm. right? So it is, therapy is key. I I think. Yeah. personally or you know just through classes through sex education as well oh yeah i think that that's one of the things that
1: can be most helpful about education and therapy it helps start a conversation i remember when i was teaching classes at the velvet box one of the things i said is that if you walk away from here with anything my hope is that you walk away being able to start a conversation even if it's saying what beth said in there is wrong and i think she's full of it Okay. I'm even okay with that because it starts a conversation. The partner be like, okay, why do you think she's full of it? Well, because Beth said that, you know, this and this works for this person. Which I, I probably wouldn't say that. But, you know, that a lot of people experience sex in this way and I don't. I mean, think about the power that that conversation can have, mm-hmm. right? Right. And the partner's like, oh, you've never told me that. You've never told me that you don't experience sex in that way. Right. And I... I think starting a conversation can be one of the most powerful things. I think what's hard about that is both partners have to be willing to kind of hold space for the other one right? and just be present without any judgment, without
0: any shame, because a lot of us already carry enough shame for the whole world, right? Isn't that the truth? And you know what? Um, You're right. Um, I'll have a conversation with Greg, my husband, and if, I mean- my, I really try not to have any facial expressions. I really don't. I just try to sit there and listen. Then I look, you know, then I then that's wrong. But, you know, just that, because it looks like I'm judging. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or just sitting there, it looks like I'm judging. So right to wrong. But those negotiations are so important. So important. So, Beth, your specialty, you were telling me that the other day, and I knew this talking to um, uh, more at uh, the Velvet Box people, your specialty is surviving cancer and the medications and the treatments that are illnesses or chronic ills. it doesn't even have to be uh, uh, cancer, right? Is educating after post what medications done. I had no idea until I did a little research and it's tiny research, but what can medication can do to you, right? Oh, absolutely.
1: Is it? Just- absolutely. I mean, in this, even though my research focus is in cancer and sexual health, I think that, um, medications can have a huge impact on the body and the thing the thing is is that so let me use this example so um antidepressants are really one of the side effects can be a loss of sexual desire like sex drive right and so sometimes i've seen people in the past who come in and say like my sex drive sucks because of my antidepressants right and i'm like okay it's great that you know that, right? Um, is it possible to switch antidepressants, right? And a lot of times we have a conversation about like... Because um, some people are like, I want to get off my meds. And I'm like, is that a wise thing too? Mm-hmm. Like, is your depression managed well enough that you can get off of your medications and you've talked to your doctor about this? Because if your quality of life in general and your quality, like your mental health, is not in a good place, having a sex drive is not going to help, mm-hmm. right? But if you have lots of ways to manage depression, anxiety, panic, things like that, um, and then there's other options of medications that you can take, right? Right. It's all about like figuring out what's going to be best for you. Another really common thing is allergy medications. People don't realize that allergy medications are meant to to dry up mucous membranes. And what's a mucous membrane? Your vulva and your vagina is. And so allergy medications has a tendency, it depends upon the type of medication, right? But they have a tendency to cause dryness in the vulva and vagina.
0: Oh oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, ta- I take I take it. I take one every single day of my life for allergies. Yeah. And I'm already have a dry vagina. I mean, from postmenopause. Yep. So I'm just adding, you know, a layer right on top of it. <laughs> isn't that great? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no
1: way. But thankfully, right? Something like, um, well, and having, when we talk about, you know, dryness. In general, there's a lot of stuff that can go into it. You know, medications Mm -hmm. um, can definitely go into it. And I will say that a lot of people think that if you're turned on, you are going to lubricate, right? You're going to have lubrication. No, no, no. So you can absolutely be turned on and want to be in the moment, but your body isn't necessarily responding the way you think it should. And vice versa. You can be... your Pelvis and your vulva can be really turned on and tingly and full of self lubrication, and you really don't want to be having sex. Mm-hmm. So we often think that physiological response is connected to what we want to do or don't want to do, and that's not necessarily the truth. Wow. Um, and so I, I honestly, I, a bottle of lube is everyone's best friend, whether you're having sex or not, mm-hmm. right? Um, because dryness for a vulva and a vagina can cause pelvic pain. It's supposed to be this nice, warm, wet environment um, like the mouth, mm-hmm. right? And so we put chapstick on our lips because our cha- our lips can get cracked and chapped and it hurts. And so putting some si- type of moisturizer that's meant for the vulva on the vulva can be really
0: helpful in just making sure your overall sexual health is in a good place. Okay, you see my, my eyes wide open over here. Oh my gosh, that is incredible information. Wouldn't have thought of that.
1: It's just, t- it's taking care of your body, like the rest of your body, if you use chapstick, mm-hmm. right? If you put lotion on your skin, it's taking care of your body. Um, and even like a, a a gentle massage, like the chapstick going over the lips on your mouth is kind of massaging. A gentle massage brings blood into the tissue and that blood coming to, into the tissue makes the tissue nice and healthy again. It's like a massage any other place in your body. Wow. So having a vaginal moisturizer which i hate that it's called vaginal because it can be used on the vulva too. So just to clarify the vulva is everything on the outside and the vagina is the actual tube, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is used for coitus or menstruation or childbirth. Those gotcha. are the, the three things. Um and so just making sure that you your body just stays nice and healthy like mm-hmm. the rest of you do for the rest of your body. I think maybe sometimes we just ignore the genitals because of you know, messages that we got growing up or shame that we hold or all all
0: sorts of other things. Yeah. Don't touch it. Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so like there's lots of biological things that can have an impact on your sexual health, medications, uh, chronic illness, uh, heart disease is going to have a huge impact on the ability to have an erection. Because mm-hmm. what do you need to have an erection? You need blood flow, and if the heart isn't able to pump the blood there, right? You're not going to have the erection like you did. So maybe you're really, really turned on and you want to want to do things, but your body's not responding like you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are treatments that you can use to help, or and or. Um, being able to renegotiate what sex looks like in that moment for both partners, right? Absolutely. And you talked about being postmenopausal, right? In general, like estrogen is going to lower as you get postmenopausal, which is going to change the bot the whole body, and it does change the vulva and the vagina. So one of the things that can happen is it's vulvar or vaginal atrophy. Um, so when you have lower levels of estrogen in the body, it tends to change things like cartilage and joints and muscles, you get a little bit of muscle atrophy, a little bit of exhaustion. It also changes your vulva and vagina, right? And so if you have tissue atrophy in your vulva and vagina, meaning it becomes a little bit thinner, if it's thinner, it's going to need more lubricant. Otherwise it's going to hurt and you're going to have pelvic pain. So like a, a process, now there, like I said, there are medications that you can use as well, but some people are fine without taking medication, but some people really want medications. So there's going to be those biological changes. And generally when I'm doing therapy with someone, that's one of the things we rule out first. Like, okay, let's make sure the biological stuff is treated as best as possible. Right, And then we'll move to the psychological stuff, which is like the shame, let's say, um, managing depression, managing um, addiction, managing that stuff, your own mental health issues. And then we move to the social stuff. And we can do psychological and social together. It means like, do you have any big betrayals in your relationship that you haven't forgiven that person for that we need to work on? Right? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And so... If I rule out biological, because that's not really my field, that's a field for a medical provider, mm-hmm. right? And then I can a therapist works on the psychological and social stuff. And sometimes, if a therapist and the client is really wants to, you can even move into the spiritual, which is how is your spiritual identity, um, how does it help, and how does it not help your sexual health, and do you feel on the same page with your spirituality as your partner? And
0: right then, there's that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm going to hit, before we move on, I'm, I'm going to hit on, I have at at my phase of my life, I have um, both the the spouse, both spouses going through some kind of hormone issues, um, me postmenopausal doing biochemical hormone replacement. So my husband and I are both are doing this, but we're not always on the same page. And I'm hearing that with a lot of my friends, like They'll get pellets or they'll get whatever the case may be but here I may be down here and and the other spouse is way up there so back to your point of renegotiating or negotiating and in, and in, in some of us we've never even talked about it is that a thing I mean that is true right oh yeah absolutely
1: absolutely um and I I think there probably needs to be more of a push to um I think if if a person, is gonna get on testosterone replacement therapy or hormone replacement therapy in general, because it does change, it can change a lot of things. Right. Um, especially because you're sometimes you're kind of testing the level of hormones at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so there's this like, oh, everything about me is kind of <laughs> going up and, right. down. and down. There should be a conversation with your partner about what that's going to look like. You know, what is this going to happen? What's this going to look like in our relationship? And because um, testosterone replacement therapy is probably going to make your sex drive go up. And what happens if? Okay, so my sex drive is gonna go up, but uh oh, my partner still doesn't wanna have sex with me. Mm-hmm. Now there's even more dissonance between me and them because I'm wanting to have sex more and I'm probably asking for it more. Um, and now, and when I ask for it more and I want for it more, my partner's probably getting even more better, right? And so, like, sometimes the partner was like, okay, well now I have to get on testosterone to like keep up with you or like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this to keep up with you. Why don't you lower your level of testosterone? And then the person with testosterone is like, well, cause it makes me feel good and I'm not as exhausted as I was. And so it's, it's no negotiating sex and negotiating hormones. It's just this communication that needs to happen. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely some pieces of research coming out about how people getting on hormone replacement therapy, specifically testosterone, hormone replacement therapy, is causing a a little bit of issues in heterosexual relationships mm-hmm. because um sometimes the wife didn't know, right? And mm-hmm. then they just went and got on hormone replacement therapy and testosterone. They, or they know they didn't talk about what it was
0: gonna look like. Mm-hmm. And so that that can be a really big shock. Mm -hmm. And I I have heard and seen overprescribing and Mm, too much and, you know, coming down and the side effects. And so, you know, and you just, I I always say, go to a qualified Mm -hmm. medical health provider for sure, 1000%. So I'm glad to know that that's a thing that is just not, I mean... Hearsay because no, negotiation. <laughs> yes, it definitely. So, Beth, you were telling me, um, one of another area you work in is trauma to couples' relationships. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Like, that is is fascinating to me because to know that there's help with you, um, because you know, we've all we all know someone, and okay. so, and when I say trauma, what are we talking about?
1: Yeah, so. Uh, a, a lot of times when you talk about therapy and trauma, people are talking about past traumatic, traumatic experiences individually, right? Um, so I think the most common thing we think about is like military trauma, but that's that's just kind of a very stereotypical military trauma, like PTSD. Um, but there's lots of things that can cause trauma, um, like childhood situations, um, past Um, even like, you know, COVID can cause a sense of trauma for people. But what I talk about when I think relationship trauma is, I mean, one of the biggest examples is infidelity, Mm -hmm. right? And so the way that I work with infidelity as a therapist is I work with it as a trauma to the relationship. So someone did something to betray someone else and... It sounds weird, but I, I really, I don't even want to say the word enjoy because that sounds messed up, but I, <laughs> I really like working with people who are recovering from infidelity. Mm-hmm. It's um, a fascinating process. And if they're in therapy, they've come to therapy. They're, they're already like in a place, typically they're already in a place where they want to make it work. And I think the thing that I like about it the most is the amount of like strength and honesty and vulnerability that I see in people in the room. It just, just like gives me hope and humanity right. all over
0: again. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that they could survive this right type of trauma. Right. Gosh. And do you see in your patients, do you see a lot of success? Well, So, well, what does
1: success look like, right? (laughs) So we have to say, what does success look like? Um, It's hard to measure success in therapy because some people quit therapy and don't tell you why. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, oh, maybe they're doing well. Um, But sometimes maybe they're not doing well. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to know if the people who just quit and don't tell you why are doing well or not. So that's kind of the numbers are a little skewed there. Um, The things that I remember right? It are, are the people who did great. Um, so generally, I would say if, if they've stuck around past the third session, they're pretty invested. Right. But if after the second or third session, they don't come back, then I'm like, well, either they're going to find another way to heal or therapy isn't working for them right now. And, and I will say that one of the most important things in therapy is the relationship you have with your therapist. I mean even the research shows us that there's all sorts of different types of models of therapy and theories that you can use but one of one of the most important things there's a couple other things too but it's called the therapeutic alliance like do you trust your therapist are you comfortable with them are you being honest with them right and what couples work is really challenging as a therapist because you need to like stay right in between them and have a good relationship with both of them. Because if one of them feels like you're taking sides, mm-hmm. right, then it kind of destroys the whole therapeutic alliance. Right. And that causes even more distrust. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's why I like couples and family therapy is because there's this place in the room where I'm I'm kind of... I help communication and help negotiate and help the process of like forgiveness, Right. Um, but yeah, I think when I started working with infidelity in that way, like seeing it as a trauma, they, that was really helpful. Um, the other thing that is really challenging that I, I come across is relationships whose sex life has fall apart and they, they kind of talk about it, but they're not really sure why. And then by the second or third session, it comes out that like, well, 10 years ago, I let you have sex with me over and over again. And I wanted to say no, and I didn't. Mm. Mm. And now I don't trust you. And so my body has just shut down. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I say it like that. Right. And then the other, the other side of that is people who come in and say, you sexually assaulted me over oh, and over no. again. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You're still my friend and I love you, but this is the reason why we don't have sex again. And the person's like, what? I sexually assaulted you? Right. And we have to talk through that. And literally some people don't know that you, sh- you shouldn't have sex with a partner who's just laying there and staring at the ceiling and sometimes crying. Mm-hmm. Like that's not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. You should be having sex with a partner who's like engaged in it, enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, our sex education system is so horrible that mm-hmm. people don't know what healthy sex looks like. Right right? Mm-hmm. And so some people have been told that it's okay to just have sex with someone. Okay, we'll just get it done and get it over yes. with. Maybe don't have sex with a partner that says, just get it done and get it over with because they don't really want to be there anyways. And that could cause a lot of bitterness and contempt in the future. Wow.
0: I, I mean, that is, you know, you would think it would be if someone's lying there crying, that'd be common sense, but... You'd think. You'd th- <laughs> kind of. Oh, Wow. Oh my gosh. I said, what does healthy sex look like? That's, that's- and I I'm,
1: and it, I sound a little biased there. And I will say that sometimes the other partner who's laying there and crying is the one saying, no, 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 it's okay, go ahead and do this, mm-hmm. right? Because they have also been taught that their role is that, mm-hmm. right?
0: to satisfy.
1: Yeah, and you, you'd think that that same thing would be common sense, but it's not because nobody teaches you, how to have healthy sex. Nobody is is sitting there talking about, you know, people, okay, well, let's talk about sexually transmitted infections and let's scare you a little bit there. And let's talk about pregnancy and prevention, right? But how about let's talk about what it looks like when someone's really enjoying themselves, which is pleasure-based sex education. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to talk about pleasure because that's like the shame thing, right? right? But the pleasure piece is so important. It's so important because that's what consent looks like.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And this is how you can help as a therapist. I mean, there's different layers, like we talked about the onion. There's different layers, but there's also Velvet Box can help, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: absolutely. You know, we talked about starting a conversation, and not a lot of people get the the pleasure sex edu- pleasure based sex education. But going to something like the velvet box or even the classes or the education and having that conversation can help you see things and say, well, you know, well, what about this? Mm -hmm. What about this? Does this look good? Does this vibrator look good? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm a huge fan of vibrators. And one of the reasons I'm a huge fan of vibrators, and this might sound silly, but once I explain it, it's going to make sense. Okay. So when you take, typical like male genitalia and typical female genitalia and compare them, they all have something, the homologous organs, right? So the tip of the penis, because when we're in utero, we all kind of look female-like, right? I don't really like using that term female-like, but that's the best way for me to explain it. Um, And then either male hormones kick in and what looks like a clitoris turns into a penis, right? Or... The female hormones stay there and it turns into a vulva. So essentially, the outer lips on the vulva, the labia majora, is the scrotum, the skin that's holding the testicles. The testicles are the ovaries, right? The tip of the penis is the tip of the clitoris. Wow. Okay. And so and it's hard to do over a podcast because it's so much easier <laughs> when I have my anatomical she's, models in front of me. She's really right. using her hands a lot I here, know. y'all. Everybody, <laughs> we got we should have filmed this one. <laughs> so think of it like that. Everything has its match. Mm-hmm. The only thing that doesn't have its match, it's the uterus. And the uterus is this incredible, just just incredible thing. I could go to a whole nother thing about that. Okay. So think of it like that. All right. So whenever you're having Traditional coitus, penis in the vagina, sex. What's touching the clitoris? Not much. Not much. Not much. Right? And so, you know, you can get some rubbing here and there, Mm -hmm. but not much is touching the clitoris. So the clitoris is really important. So Mm -hmm. can someone who has a penis, can a penis owner orgasm without touching his penis? Yeah, you can, but it's a whole lot more difficult, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so when I explain this to people, I'm like, "This is why it's so important to stimulate the clitoris, because if you if you want sexual pleasure, you know, and for some people the clitoris is too sensitive and they can orgasm in lots of other ways, but a lot of people need clitoral stimulation in order to have a good amount of pleasure, um, and vibrators are just really efficient at that." Right. So sometimes this is a question I got after I would teach the velvet box classes. People would come up to me and say, "Well, you know, she she has a hard time orgasming. It's like a heterosexual relationship. You know, what can I do to help?" I'm like, "Okay, well, how much clitoral stimulation do you provide her?" Well, you know, I do a little bit, but she's a little sensitive and she get goals. And I'm like, "Okay," and they're like, "Well, I did a lot in the beginning of the relationship, but now I don't do it so much anymore." I'm like, "All right," and how much penile stimulation are you getting? During sex. Well, like the whole time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's make it a little more equal. Right. Right. Let's make it a little more equal. So the, the penile stimulation you get, let's make sure, you know, your partner is getting the same amount of clitoral stimulation, if that's what they want.
0: Makes, well, it just makes sense. You heard it here. Oh, my goodness.
1: So vibrators can, can be really helpful. That's kind of what they're for, is to kind of sit gently on top of the clitoris. hmm Right and provide some stimulation. And I will say, it's kind of just a a funny way that humans... Maybe it's all primates. I don't know. I can't say for clitoral location on a lot of primates. But that's a funny way that humans are built because in a lot of mammals, the clitoris is on the inside of the vagina, Mm. but it's not on us. No. Right? But that's also really cool because Mm. what that means is our bodies were designed to have a clitoris that has no direct reproductive function. Meaning our bodies were designed for sexual pleasure.
0: Okay, y'all. Everybody
1: heard that. (laughs) Purity culture people like myself. That's the function. The function of our clitoris is sexual pleasure. It has no direct reproductive function.
0: Mm -mm. Interesting. Wow. And I'm so glad that we have you and we have the Velvet Box because they are so amazing going into... I and mean, you walk into their their storefronts and they're just... They make you feel so normal. You yeah. know what I mean? And what is normal? But, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, this is a silly question, but no, it's not. No, but
1: so. I think what you're saying is really important. I think one of the things that why I like teaching sex education so much is, as people will say, it, it made me realize I'm not weird, right? right. It made me realize that i'm quote unquote normal mm-hmm. right and cuz cuz i thought i was weird and i didn't want to tell anybody and that's where i was holding shame
0: exactly i didn't
1: realize that other people had this problem i didn't realize that other people got pleasure from this thing right wow. and so that that feeling of like i think we we want a sense of belonging even in our sex lives mm-hmm. right we don't want to be like left out it's very human human want is to have a sense of belonging and
0: Yeah, I think that's why I like being a sex educator. Well, you can tell you're very good at it. And a lot of people blessed with you in their lives. So we, we look forward for you to being off sabbatical again. But you know what? <laughs> I told you, enjoy your baby. I mean, this yeah. is the only time, you know, you'll you'll see. And I'm sure everyone out there agrees with me. But thank you for coming. Yeah. I appreciate it so much. Will you come back? We yeah. didn't hit half my questions. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not going to do a couple but uh, there's so many questions for you. But when you're comfortable, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, for sure. That sounds great. So how can we find you? I know you don't want to be found right now, but... But just in the future we'll 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 just it will find you through the velvet box, I bet, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm always gonna be connected with them. Marcel is oh. and you know, at this point she's become a family member. Right. Oh. Um, so it just I'm always gonna be connected with Marcel and Brandon and the Velvet Box and I, honestly, I'm really comfortable if people email me. I am on Facebook, um, but right now, not a lot of social media. Right. Um, I do have a website, but it hasn't been updated in a while. <laughs> it's like you said, I'm really just like, I just want to be a mom right now and enjoy these years. But at the same time. Yeah, I'm still, I'm doing supervision. I'm training other sex educators mm-hmm. how to be, you know, good sex educators um, and mindful sex educators. But yeah, I, I'm always going to be connected to the velvet box
0: and my email is always open to anybody. Well, you, I could just tell, I mean, take your time with your baby. Take your time <laughs> being a mom, but you have so much information. 18 years. Eight, no. No. <laughs> no, no, no. There trust me. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, you have so much passion in this this, um, this industry, and I'm just excited for you to be a mom, and then you'll be back for sure. Oh, yeah. Now, everyone, you can find these classes, and of course, go and see everyone at the five locations in Dallas, Fort Worth area, The thevelvetbox.com com and you can find them on my instagram as well and thank you all so much for listening today we are talking intimacy connection and communication we're just talking about it i'm just throwing it out there for everyone and everyone follow me along at tiffany c and hey rate and review this podcast and tell me what you'd like to hear and uh everyone have a fabulous day and you know what keeping fabulous